This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. And today, title is, Who is Your Closest Friend? Who is your closest friend? And uh, we're going to start off, we're going to look at Proverbs 18.24. It's, it's a good verse to look at for what we're doing. Amen. Thank you, Dylan. Appreciate that. He went to Dr. Barclay's SMTI school, and we learned how to get excited about the Word in the Bible school. Miss Pastor, take this, will you? Thank you. And so, who is your closest friend? And uh, I, don't, I don't know if you know it or not, but we got a scripture reading we do together every, every every day of the month. Every month we put them on the Internet, and we uh, Mrs. Pastor makes little papers, hands out what they are. But this month we're starting off at the book of James. And back when I was in Bible school, way back in about 1981, 1982, back in there, I had a Bible school teacher named Marilyn Hickey. Does any of the old-timers remember Marilyn Hickey? Okay, Marilyn Hickey was one of my Bible school teachers, and she made the statement about the book of James. She said, the book of James is the Proverbs of the New Testament. It's the Proverbs of the New Testament. And when I read the book of James, if I, if I read it slow, read it quiet, read it with an open heart, I get changed every time I study the book of James. God works on me, he changes me, he shapes me up, and Helps me get my life back together again if it was messed up and get to where I belong. But anyway, yesterday, I was reading the book of James. I was reading today's, actually, today was chapter 4. And some things jumped off at me. But I want you to look at Proverbs 18.24. And uh, we're going to do this in the New Living Translation. Is that going to be on the screen, Heather? Yeah, there it is. Uh, Proverbs 18.24, New Living Translation says, There are friends who destroy each other. But a real friend sticks closer than a brother. A real friend. And the King James says, there's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. And so I was telling Mrs. Pastor, as I was thinking about that verse on the way to church, I was thinking about that. I was thinking about my family, that uh, the one I grew up in. Uh, my, my mom and dad had, had seven kids. Well, we outdid them. We had eight. But anyway, out of seven kids, there were six brothers and one sister. And I, and I know over the years, my brothers and I, my sister and all of us, we've had, we've had fallen outs at different times and disagreed, got upset and mad. But I know one thing I always noticed when an attack came on any of us, it's just like the old cowboy shows, the wagon train circled and we got together. But then again, I'm thinking about this in the spiritual context. I think about this. I've been born again 41 and a half years. I did my best to be a good Christian, live a good Christian life, but there's times when I've made wrong choices, wrong moves, and dumb stuff. But I had a friend named Jesus through the Holy Spirit. And no matter how dumb I was, how bad I missed it, he stuck closer to me than a brother. He always stuck with me. Amen. That's the direction we're going today, that uh, who is your closest friend? And we're going to look at some things, at, and the things we're going to look at again, they're going to be out of my journal, out of my prayer closet yesterday morning, some things that I picked up on that I thought, this is what the church needs to hear. This will help a lot of Christians. At James chapter 2, verse 23, in the Living Bible. James chapter 2, verse 23, in the Living Bible. And, and I like this. 
It says, and so it happened, just as the scriptures say, that Abraham trusted God. Abraham trusted God. Abraham trusted God, and the Lord declared him good in God's sight. He's even called the friend of God. The friend of God. And yesterday, when I was just spending my time with Jesus, and I never spend time with the Lord to get a sermon, I spend time with the Lord because I want him to talk to me about my life. I want him to help me. And so my sermons come out of my personal walk with him, not because I say, Jesus, i got to have a sermon, got to have it now. But I just love to spend time with him and then speak to people from my heart what's real to me. And so yesterday when I was looking at that, uh, there's some things in life that's bothered me for a while. And I know that I've got contracts with people on different things. I realized a contract I had, I've been just kind of just been hit daily about, will they keep the contract? Will they keep the contract? And yesterday they jumped off at me. Wait a minute. I've been looking more to them than I have to him. And so I realized, wait a minute, I'm going to have to shift my focus off of this man. His piece of paper said he'd do this. I had to get my eyes back on him. That told me what he would do and know that I'm going to trust God because I'm his friend. That's a word for somebody sitting in here right now. There's something you're dealing with in life. And you got your eyes off of him and got your eyes on it. Or them. If your eyes are on him, he'll take care of them. Amen. So make it, make it, make that shift in your faith. Make that, make that adjustment in what you're believing and what you're thinking. And when you do, all of a sudden, that Philippians chapter four, verse seven, that peace that passes all understanding will guard and keep your mind. Did you ever think about what that means? The peace that passes understanding? What that means, that's like a bypass. You've got a spirit. You got a soul with your mind, will, emotions. And so your understanding tries to figure it out. And the more you try to figure it out, the more you lose your peace. And so I know that, uh, you know, some of us have went through serious health things over the years or financial things. And when you've cast your care upon the Lord of those things, then all of a sudden a bypass operation takes place in your soul. It's like a wire, like, 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 like a car. Sometimes you have to bypass a circuit on a car just to make something work temporarily. You bypass it, don't go through that system. And so when that piece of pass understanding takes place, you begin to focus from your heart, not your head. And it bypasses your head. And the people looks at you because of the diagnosis. They look at you because of the current crisis you're in. And they say, man, they're just so goofy. They're just religiously nuts. They don't have enough sense to know what they're dealing with. Well, we got Bible sense. And our Bible sense says that my God will do the impossible for me. And when you do that, then you have that piece of past understanding. That's because you've learned to trust the one that wants to be your best friend. I want to say that again. There's one that wants to be your best friend. But that's your choice. What you're going to do about that. So anyway, in reading and meditating on James chapter 4, go ahead and turn there. 
We're going to look at James chapter 4, verse 4 and 5, but I'm actually going to read this out of the Living Bible, but it's just as good in the King James or New Living, whatever you've got. But as I was reading and meditating on this scripture reading yesterday, the eyes of my spirit got thrilled. I saw some things afresh that I need to see again, and I think it will help every one of us. James chapter 4, verse 4 and 5 of the Living Bible says this, You are like an unfaithful wife who loves her husband's husband's enemies. I'm not focusing on that part, but that's there. Who loves her husband's enemies. Don't you realize that making friends with God's enemies, making friends with God's enemies, the evil pleasures of this world, makes you an enemy of God? I don't want to tell you, God is not saying you can't have fun. You notice, you notice, the adjective evil before the pleasures. There was a lot of pleasures in this world we could have. I'm, I'm not I'm not a baseball nut, but I like to go to baseball games and watch good baseball games. There's a lot of things in this world I like to do. I do like to fish. Jesus blessed me in my own lake so I can fish all I want to. And I have giant bass and other things in my lake. But that's not my life. And it's not evil. There's a lot of things in this world that are very evil. That gives ungodly people pleasure. And God says, if you love the evil pleasures of this world, then you're not God's friend. Amen. So I want to make sure you understand that Christians can have more fun than anybody else. You know, we stay up all night sometimes and do Christian things, have Christian fun, and we don't wake up and wonder, what did we do? What did we say? With all the cameras and everything, is what I did going to go viral? Am I going to lose my job because something I said, somebody heard, and they reported it to Facebook? What did I do? No, we have fun. We have pleasures, and there's no sorrow with it. Amen. So we want to make sure we understand that we're not a bunch of religious fuddy-duddies that say, God says you can't have pleasure. He said, don't love the evil pleasure. Amen. As I just say this, you can go to Las Vegas not have evil pleasure, okay? There are some fun things to do there, but a lot of things there are not fun. And uh, by the way, what happens in Vegas doesn't stay in Vegas, God knows. Mm. The evil pleasure, <laughs> it never ceases to amaze me that things come out of my heart when I'm up here talking. <clears throat> the evil pleasure of this world <clears throat> makes you an enemy of God. I say it again, that if your aim is to enjoy the evil pleasure of the unsaved world, you cannot also be a friend of God. I want to be a friend of God. I want to stay God's friend. Amen. Or what do you think the scripture means when it says, now here's the part that jumped off at me for what we're going to talk about today. Or what do you think the scripture means when it says, the Holy Spirit, whom, he's, he's not an it, whom, God has placed within us, watches over us with tender jealousy. Watches over us with tender jealousy. As I read these verses, it jumped off at me. The Holy Spirit whom? 
Not in it. Holy Spirit is more real than any person I've ever known. If he's not real to you as a person, my prayer today is in the name of Jesus. You'll see that the Holy Spirit is not a puff of smoke. He's not just some thing that floats around in the air like a cloud. That the Holy Spirit is a whom. Did you ever see a letter to whom it may concern? Well, a whom's a person. The Holy Spirit represents Jesus on the earth. He's here in place of Jesus. Jesus is right now at the right hand of God on the throne of God. He's right there. The Holy Spirit's on the earth in our hearts, and he's the one that communicates with us what Jesus wants to say to us. He is the great communicator. And he wants us to know Jesus. And this morning, I, I uh, in fellowship with the Holy Spirit, we're not going here, but I just want to make a suggestion. Sometime this week, slowly read verse by verse John 17. John 17. To hear the heart and desires of Jesus for us. I went through John 17 this morning. That's the whole chapter of Jesus praying for the body of Christ for us. And over and over and over again, afresh today like I'd never read before, Jesus spoke to me how contrary the world system is to his system, the kingdom of God, and how it operates. Over and over he prayed that the world would not get in us, but we'd be in the world and change the world for him. That the world would know, because of how we live, that Jesus is real. He prayed for protection. He said, Lord, I pray that you don't take them out of the world, protect them from the evil in the world. And then he said in that prayer there, he said, I'm not just praying for these 12 right here with me. He said, I'm praying for everybody in the future that believes in me. I praise God that Jesus' words are eternal. They're effective. Those prayers that he prayed 2,000 years ago are protecting Dave through the things he's going through. They're protecting Aaliyah and her family. They're protecting Leanne and Jamie and the Copies and everybody else. Those prayers are still working. We're down here because we're Jesus' representatives. And then this morning, as I was reading those things and seeing those things, mark down and write your notes there, Second Corinthians 4.4. 4. There's things that you've got to understand about the kingdom of God and also about the kingdom of darkness. Jesus talked a lot about the kingdom of darkness. There's another kingdom. Kingdom of light, kingdom of dark. And Second Corinthians 4, 4, the Holy Spirit, through the Apostle Paul, said these words. He said, there is a God of this world. That's a small g where he said that at 2 Corinthians 4, 4. The God of this world is the devil. And he said, the God of this world, we got to get a hold of this. We're temporarily in this world. But eternity is forever. But a human being, I'm going to say this again because I don't think Christians really understand how real these spiritual things are. Hell's real. It's absolutely real. And heaven's real. They're real. This world we're living in is a temporary thing. If you get to live to be 120 years old, that's nothing compared to eternity. How many have ever seen the ocean? 
We're out, we're out here where we got a big ocean. How, how, how much is one drop of water out of that ocean? It's nothing. How much is 120 years compared to forever? We think some of these th- things we go through on this earth are a long time compared to forever. It's a nothing. And so 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 says, Satan is the god of this world, says he's blinded the minds of them which believe not. Why should Christians get so stupid blind about what's really going on and want to fight about politics? Or fight about somebody cheating them out of a hundred dollars? Why is there so many stupid fights going on? Because that's because Christians have been blinded too. And they haven't had their minds renewed to what's really going on. There's a God of this world. And the Lord gave me a little nugget this morning. And I want to tell you this. You might want to write this down or watch it again later. Satan has one plan and one goal. He wants to take everybody he can to hell with him. And wants to cause their life to be hell on earth. Jesus has the exact opposite plan and goal. He wants to take everybody to heaven with him and cause their lives to be heaven on earth. I want to say that again. At John 10.10, he said, the thief comes to steal, kill, destroy. He said, I've come for you to have an enjoy life. And so Satan has a goal. He's the God of this world, of this world. Not my world. Jesus said that John 17 prayer said, I'm in this world, but not of this world. Paul said in Philippians, said our citizenship is in heaven, but we're temporary residents in this world. And so I'm in this world, but not of this world. I choose, I choose not to be blinded. I choose not to get so caught up with the affairs of life that I get spiritually dense to where I miss out what's going on. I don't have any enemies, but if I had an enemy, I wouldn't want him to go to hell. That's why Jesus said, love your enemies and pray for them. And so I refuse to let another human being, even if it's a politician that I'll never meet, that makes decisions about my family and my well-being in life, I refuse to hate them. Because I know, I know that every deceived politician or journalist or whoever else in this world, if they die without Jesus Christ for all of eternity, Jesus said they'd be welling and gnashing of teeth in outer darkness. And for all of eternity, they will keep on crying out, Jesus, let me have another chance. The Christians were right and I was wrong. Oh, Jesus, I'm sorry I did what I did. They'll never get out. And so I refuse to have hatred for people I'll never meet. I don't like the actions of a lot of people, but I hate nobody. I love Jesus. Jesus loves people. So if I'm going to be Jesus' friend, I'm going to love people. And Jesus, back in his day when he walked the earth, he got very upset with a lot of people. The Sadducees, the Pharisees, the judges of the law, a lot of people, he said a lot of bad things about him. Can you imagine going in a church service with Jesus, full of religious people, you snakes and vipers. You're like, you're like graves. Said you stink. Your religion stinks. 
and said, you're vipers. Think, man, Jesus, he sure was nice. No, Jesus spoke the, spoke the truth in love. He wanted to help people. And so that tells me it's okay to tell people things you're doing is bad. They're not good. And maybe some messages come out and say some things to describe to them what their actions are like. But that's not hatred. That's letting people know, you know, like the old phrase we use sometimes, turn or burn. You know, sometimes it might be appropriate in the New Living Translation to tell somebody, turn or burn. Amen. And so we're talking about there's things going on that we as Christians, uh, it's time to wake up. Time to wake up and, you know, you know, at a church like this, we preach, we preach pretty serious, pretty heavy about the times we live in. This is the last days. The Bible talks about last days, end times. There's not going to be a whole lot of years left. May not be a whole lot of days left. We don't know because Jesus said nobody knows the day or the hour. What would happen today if the rapture took place? How many, how many Christians would really go. You know, I'm thinking about that. Jesus said there's a lot of people that are going to say, Lord, Lord, we did many wonderful works in your name. We cast out devils. We did this. We did that. And then Paul said that even though you speak the tongues of men and of angels, you have not love, said you're not going to make it. And so we have to understand just because somebody goes to church, just because somebody reads their Bible, if they're not doing the things Jesus wants them to do, I'm not their judge. He is. But a lot of things he said about a lot of people, and I think it's time to recognize we're in the end times. It better be a time we start drawing near to Jesus. And amen. And having, having more than religion, but actually reading the Bible. And so anyway, it jumped off at me about the Holy Spirit wanting to be our friend. And so he lives in me, I realized. This is my journal. He lives in me. He loves me. He's jealous with godly emotions for my affection, my attention, and my love for him and the things he likes to do. And you know, that's that's very real. If he really is a him and not an it, if he really is jealous for time with us, not like not like a jealous husband or jealous wife, but because he said, Dylan, Dylan, I want more of you. Dylan, can I have just a little more? Dylan, can you give, can you give me another ten minutes this morning? I, I, that's what I'm talking about. He wants time with us. I know that uh, I love my wife. We've been together a long time. I love it. With my wife and I, although we're together 24-7 pretty much, I love it. Where there's nothing else going on. And we can sit on the couch and, you know, I got a thing I like to do with my wife. You know, I just, you know, I, I, I pick this up all back. I come to my wife and she'll look at it. She'll look at me and I'll go, sweet nothing, sweet nothing, sweet nothing. Anybody ever hear that expression? Whisper sweet nothings in her ear. I do things like that because I'm jealous for a time with my wife. Not in a bad jealousy, but I, 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 I uh, she, she is so, Creative with her writing and her computer, the stuff she does like that book, she's working on another one now. But thing is, I, 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 as much as we're together, I like sometimes to say, can you shut the computer off? 
And we'll just sit down and whisper sweet nothings. And she's much more, uh, likes to talk on the phone and stuff with our kids and our grandkids. As I said, we've, we've got eight. And they've all got mates. And they've all got children. And she's the one that every day, at least two or three of them somewhere in the country, they have the conversations going on. I love my kids. I love my grandkids. But there's something about me. I like to be with my wife and just do nothing except look at each other. And think about the Holy Spirit. It says the Holy Spirit yearns for your time. He watches over your tender jealousy. He says, can you turn that off for just a little bit and just hang out? Somebody said, I've never thought of it like that. That's why you're in this service. Jesus wants to get your attention this morning. He wants things to be better for you. The devil's the God of this world. But Jesus, the Father, the Holy Spirit, they're the real God of everything forever and ever and ever and ever. Amen? And they want to be Lord of your life. And so anyway, the Holy Spirit is more real than any person you're ever going to meet. And so, as I was looking at these verses, I was thinking about the fall of 2000, when the Holy Spirit said to me, this is in that book, He said, I want to be your prayer partner. I want to be your prayer partner. And, and I call that fellowship. But anyway, as I, as I, as I looked at this, and I thought about the Holy Spirit, they said that He wants to be my friend, I realized over the past 70 years, and I know I don't look 70, I know that. I know I probably look more like, what, 45 or 50, whatever. <laughs> but but I know I don't look 70, and I don't act 70. The Lord really blessed me with health and everything. Like after things have been through, we got a 10-acre farm now, you know, all the story. I work out there pretty much every day, do lots of things out there, the heat and everything. Full of life, full of energy because of Jesus. Lots of things we do. So anyway, I realized over the last 70 years, and this is being the Holy Spirit in my prayer closet yesterday, that I've had a lot of friends over 70 years. I real, and you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm just giving you something about how this works with Jesus and the Holy Spirit. I realized, and the Lord took me, if I remember it yesterday, all the way back to kindergarten. I remembered people in kindergarten. I remember people in the Lord grades of school that there were seasons. I thought, man, these were, you know, I didn't realize things back then. I think in modern talk, man, these guys are friends forever. These are buds forever. And then seasons would change. And the people I were really close to, the people I wanted to respect me, the people that I wanted to compromise, whatever, so they'd like me, they're gone. And then all of a sudden... I've moved it up into junior high in my thinking yesterday. I realized some of the friends I had in junior high, I thought, man, this is forever. Started high school, I never saw them again. And then in high school, I realized, man, these guys are my best friends. Man, I told them everything about my life. We shared everything, did everything. Then all of a sudden, I'm out of high school. I've never seen those guys again. They were friends. I, I tailored my life around them. I wanted to act like them. They're gone. And then all of a sudden, I'm in the Teamsters world. I'm a truck driver. 
And I went back in my, in my thinking yesterday, back to my early truck driving years, the guys I ran around with, they're gone. And then I went back to 1980 when I got born again, the first church I was at. I got to think about those first Christians I knew. Man, we hung out together. We ate together. We did everything together. They're gone. On and on and on and on. But I realized there's one constant. Jesus was there all the time. He never left. The Holy Spirit there all the time. He never left. And I'm just thinking about, you know, my, my prayer closet yesterday, the things I started seeing. And so all these friends were for a season. They were for a season. They came and went. The one constant is Jesus through the person of the Holy Spirit in my heart. He didn't come and go. He's still here. And, and you know, just think about that. Through all your life, from the time you were conceived in your mother's womb, Psalms 139 says, from the time you were conceived, God knew you. Said he had a good plan for your life. Through the times that you rejected him, he had mercy and allowed you to live till you reach out to him. And then after a Christian, the times that through bad choices... Or maybe on purpose. You sin to miss the mark. He never left you. He's always there. How, how many of you, <clears throat> besides me, have ever been to a spiritual stoning among Christians where they threw stones at you? Has anybody ever been judged besides me by other Christians where they thought you were stupid, dumb, and they didn't want to hang out with you anymore? Amen. Jesus was at every one of those stonings. And you know what Jesus said? He that's among you without sin, let him cast the first stone. That has always helped me not to be a stoner. I never throw stones at Christians. When I see Christians that have made wrong choices, either on purpose or because they were deceived, I don't judge them. I pray for them. After they let me, I reach down my hand. I say, come on, man, let's get up. Let's get this together. And, oh, pastor, it was my fault. Well, Jesus didn't say forgive you unless it was your fault. He said forgive you even if it was your fault. He said all he wants you to do is confess it to him, receive his forgiveness, and get up and get going. I'm doing better preaching than you are shouting. Amen. I want you to think about this. That is the God of this world that tells you, the mess you're in was your fault, and Jesus isn't going to help you. That's a half-truth. The mess you're in probably was your fault. But the truth is, Jesus said, If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Amen. Look at Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. I want you, I want you to see these verses with your eyes. Because I'm talking about who is your best friend. I know who wants to be your best friend. But I know it's a choice on your part. Malachi chapter 3 verse 6. He said in the Old Testament, For I am the Lord, I change not. 
He doesn't change. He doesn't change. He always loves you. He always wants to help you. He has the answer for every problem you have. Everything you need comes from the Lord. Look at Hebrews 13.8. I've looked at these verses because I want you to see how constant, how consistent he is to what make you understand how real he is and how he will always be your best friend if you let him. Hebrews 13.8 says, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. Yesterday and today and forever. And I think about, I think about what I heard. I was at a minister's conference in 1981 down at John Osteen's church as a man named T.L. Osborne. And I'll never forget what he said was so real. He said, if you want to know what Jesus is like, Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Don't listen to religious people. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is Jesus Christ yesterday. In Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the only people that Jesus ever got mad at was religious people that used the religion to hurt other people. It's a terrible thing. To be a Christian and point your finger of judgment at somebody's face and tell them God's going to get you. What did Jesus do? He said, woman, where's your accusers? He said, I'm not going to accuse you either. Just go and sin no more. He said, you did wrong. But I'm not rejecting you. I'm just telling you, get up. Sin no more. And you know, one of the, one of the, one of the strangest things that happened, I'd been born again a couple of years, and the Lord had always used me in healing, and I studied healing a lot. But I heard a preacher say one day, read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, read the Gospels, and find one time that Jesus ever told somebody, I'm not going to heal you, I put this on you for my glory. He said, find one time that Jesus ever said, well, You're going to receive a healing someday. You know what? That challenged me. I thought, man, that's what I've heard all the religious people saying. All the reasons people don't get healed. So I read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and studied and studied and studied. I found no time, one place did Jesus ever say, I'm not going to heal this one. I didn't find one place where Jesus said, I put this on them to give my father glory. Contrary to that, every every example of healing I saw in the Gospels, it always said the same thing. Jesus healed them and God got glory. God got the glory when they got healed. Jesus healed them all. That's all I ever saw in the Gospels. Jesus Christ is the same. Yesterday, at today's present tense, and forever. That means next year, ten years from now, however long this world goes, Jesus is always going to be the good guy. The devil's always going to be the bad guy. Amen. Because he's the same. He wants you to prosper. He wants your family blessed. If you're a Christian business person, he wants your business blessed. Whatever it is you do, Jesus is on your side. 
And you got to know he wants to be your best, best friend. Matthew 24, 35. Matthew 24, 35. Such a good verse. This has been one of my staple, staple verses for pretty much all my Christian life. I saw this so many years ago. Matthew 24, 35. And, you know, when you read the Bible for what it is, it'll totally amaze you. Heaven and earth shall pass away. What happens if a person passed away? They say, well, you know what? They passed away. It means they died. Well, the heaven he's talking about here is not his heaven. It's the heavens above the earth. Heaven and earth, the Bible says, one of these days, God's going to destroy these anyway. It says he's going to make a new heaven and a new earth. And it says he's going to bring heavenly Jerusalem. Who does Jerusalem belong to? It belongs to God. I don't care what's going on right now. I'm going to stay on the side of God. It says that Jerusalem is his footstool. Heaven's his throne. Jerusalem's his footstool. It's the city of the great king. But he says he's going to bring heaven down to earth, the new earth. Heaven and earth are going to pass away. You know, there should be no better environmentalist than Christians. We ought to take care, we ought to take care of God's creation. But if there's no way, there's no way I'm going to love the earth more than I do people. People are eternal. Earth's not forever. There may be a lot of stuff going on right now that's not good about the earth. But people, souls, human beings are forever and ever and ever and ever. We should never, ever put the creation above the creator. Amen. That's why he said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. That's the constant in my life is Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the word of God's the constant. Since I've been a, since I've been a believer for 41 and a half years, God still said the same thing today. He said 2000 years ago about money, about marriage, about child training, about prayer. Anything you want to think of, God has never changed because the times have changed. God has never modernized what he made or what he believes. His word is still the same. And so if I'm going to be best friends with God, I'm going to be best friends with his word. God's word to me is God's love letter to me because he loves me. You know, I think about the New Testament, the will and testament of the Lord Jesus Christ. He died, but he's raised from the dead. He's at the right hand of the Father to make sure his word comes to pass. Because he said in Mark 16, verse 20, he watched those word to confirm it. He confirms his word besides following. And so, if I'm not having enough confirmation in my life, I have to judge me in my living with his word in my life in this area. In my marriage, God told me in his word how to treat my wife to have a blessed marriage. So if I'm not getting that confirmation of the word in my life, guess what? I'm missing it somewhere at the word. I'm supposed to love my wife as Christ loves the church. How many here is part of the church? I am. I'm not talking about this church, I'm talking about his church. 
the church of Jesus Christ. Well, if I'm going to love my wife like he loves me, I think about me. If I don't do something perfect, does Jesus lower the boom on me and say, how come you missed that, you jerk? How could you be so stupid? How could you have not have paid that? How could have you not done that? Jesus doesn't treat me that way. So if my wife doesn't do something, in my opinion, I thought she should have done, if I'm going to love her like Christ does the church, I'm just going to say, no big deal. Let's just get it. Come on, we'll, we'll, we'll get it. We'll make up for it. We'll make it right. Let's do it. Come on, honey. I love you. Amen. That's what I'm going to do. And, you know, I'm thinking about the wife. The wife says it's supposed to submit to her husband as unto the Lord. Well, if you're submitting to Jesus and Jesus moves to your heart to do something, are you going to say, oh, no, Jesus, that's stupid. Well, that's dumb. I don't know where you got that at. Well, if you're going to submit to your husband like you would to Jesus, you're going to say, okay, honey, I know that you're the one that God's given the leadership for this marriage. And so, if that's what you feel we're supposed to do, then we're going to go that direction then. Amen. I've talked about how this works. His word has never changed. Amen. Amen. And you know, another, ver- another verse I want to give you, just write this down. 2 Corinthians thirteen fourteen. 2 Corinthians thirteen fourteen. Paul talked about that the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Ghost. The fellowship of the Holy Ghost is supposed to be a part of our life. And that word fellowship there, in the modern translation, says friendship. It says that the Holy Ghost wants to be in friendship with us. And the friendship he's talking about there, now, now, now get this, the friendship means a heart-to-heart. A sharing of the heart. How many here, if you ever been married, maybe didn't be a good marriage like that, but anyway, when it first started off, ours has stayed this way, maybe yours hasn't. But my wife and I, for all these years, we don't have any secrets. I share my good times, I share my bad times, whatever's going on, she shares with me, we are best friends. That's what the Holy Spirit says He wants with you, a heart-to-heart. If you're upset about something, He already knows it. Why not just talk to Him about it? If something's bothering you, if fear's trying to overcome you, whatever's going on, He already knows it. If you've started getting off into an area you shouldn't be in in life, He already knows it. Why don't you tell Him? I'm sorry. I was stupid again. Forgive me. Help me. I don't want to do this. He already knows your heart. He knows you. So if you have a friendship relationship with him, talk to him like he's your best friend. He's not going to condemn you. He's not going to step on you. But he's sure waiting for you to be a friend. He's your friend. That's what fellowship is with the Holy Ghost, where you're able to talk about everything. You don't want to do some things and say, excuse me, sir, I'd like you to stay out. I'm getting ready to step into sin, and I know I, you don't like this, so I'm going to go over here for a while. i got to have my sin break. 
He never leaves you nor forsakes you. You know what the Bible says? You just grieved him and quenched him. He didn't leave. You're sealed to the day of redemption. And so why not just come clean and say, help, 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 help. I've been hit. I've been sucker punched. I've been tempted. Help me, Jesus. Help me. Amen. He's called our helper. And so anyway, that's a good verse to look at too. But uh, what these things speak to me is this. Now listen to this. I wrote this statement down. And you need to see this. I need to be more God conscious. I need to be more God conscious than compromising to make and keep friends conscious. <clears throat> I need to be more God conscious. I'm waiting for you to see that up there on the screen there. I think is that in the notes. I need to be more God conscious than compromising to make and keep friends conscious. Think about this. The Lord had me go through my life all the way back to kindergarten. And then as a Christian, and all these people over the years that I tried to get to like me. Sometimes when people were doing things, wouldn't pull me into it because I didn't want to say anything. Because I didn't want them upset with me. And I went along with the program anyway, although I didn't agree with it. Where are those people at today? You know, I'm thinking about you, Rosalinda, the atmosphere you're in. I've been out there for a little bit. Some of the stuff's gone. Think about the opportunities you have to compromise with people you work with. But it's like all of us. You know, where's those people at? Where are those people at? We as Christians, if we want to be a friend with God, and I'll tell you what I found out too in my life, the anointing of God is real. The anointing of God is the presence of Jesus. When we become more God conscious than compromising because what will they think conscious, His presence shows up stronger And what I found out in my life when I was in the truck driving world, especially, I found this out. Walking my Christian life not to be religious because I was conscious of Jesus. With those people out there that treated me like they did some of them and I wouldn't compromise. Man, sometimes God would open doors to pray. And what I did, man, they they would get hit with the Spirit of God strong. Man, I just, long story short, because I, I gotta stay with this here, but I remember the time. The man, <clears throat> the man that was one of my best friends for a while, matter of fact, while I was going through some hard times in the 70s when I was a sinner, I lived with him and his wife for a while. But this man, when I got born again, I don't talk that way anymore, but he saw that I was an on fire Christian. I was praying for people on the job. He walked up to me one day, and this guy was a bouncer at a tavern. He used to be a boxer in the army, so he wasn't some little wimp. He backed me up in a corner in the restroom at work one day, got nose nose with me, cussed me out and told me, said, I hear you got this religion thing. Said, stay away from me. Don't ever talk to me again. Just keep it to yourself. Within about a year, I said live with his wife as his girlfriend, but within about a year, he saw the life I lived consistently, heard the testimonies, people getting healed when I pray for him. 
he owned, a, he owned a, his own trucking company, worked at our trucking company. He told me his girlfriend, she, they wasn't married, said that she was having serious health problems. And he kept hearing people talk about how I prayed for people that got healed. Said, would you come down and pray for her? So I went down to the diesel shop, had several semi-tractors in there working on them everywhere. Walked in there because he asked me to come down and pray. I went in there. This is the same guy a year before that told me he was going to beat my brains out if I tried to put in my religion on him. Well, I didn't know what religion it was Jesus, so I said, okay. I'm not going to try to put any religion on you. So anyway, went to that shop there, and because my non-compromising walk, <clears throat> his girlfriend was standing there in the middle of the shop, people all around working, and I went up to pray for her, and I said, Jesus said, lay hands, can I lay my hands on you? And from about here to this right here, I got about that close, went like that, started getting slain the Spirit. And there were some mechanics around, and it looked like we was having church in the diesel shop. It was all sinners. When she started falling, I kept trying to get to her, and she was going like that, and I never touched her. The mechanics jumped behind her to catch her. <laughs> and so anyway, got her back to the office, and she fell back in the chair by the desk there. And this, within a few days, this man, who was a sinner, told all the people in the break room at work, my wife is, wife, girlfriend, they got married later on and become a deacon in the Assembly of God Church, but anyway, that's another story. I went to his funeral about four or five years ago. But uh, he told all those other sinners, I didn't have to preach to them. This man here was the toughest Baddest guy in the company. He was a union steward. He was mean. He was tough. He was a fighter. And he's one of these guys like Big John, Big Bad John. They just called him Sir. He gathered all the sinners around. And he said, Bernie prayed for Dolores. And Dolores got healed. Amen. You know what I didn't do with my company guys anymore? I didn't go out and drink beer with them anymore. You know what I didn't do? I didn't compare who had the best dirty joke to tell today. You know what I didn't do? I didn't look at the good-looking secretary's office and say, boy, what I'd like to do with her. I quit doing those things. And it wasn't hard to quit doing those things because Jesus Christ was real to me. He was my best friend. I fellowshiped with him in my Bible every day. I spent time with him in church. And because he's so real to me, it wasn't hard not to compromise my life with those guys anymore because Jesus was more real to me than what they were. Amen. And so anyway, anyway, you, as well as I, need to become more God-conscious than compromising to keep friends that we may never see again. Amen, amen. And so, I love, I love good preachers and good preacher friends. I love good Christian friends. And I have a lot of good non-Christian friends. I love them, but they all come and go. They all come and go. But there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And so I want to close with a couple verses that have always meant a lot to me. A couple of verses to live by. This is Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 and 6 in the Amplified Bible. 
It's kind of a long verse, but I want to read this because I think this goes really fine with what we've been talking about today. You know, I, I, I just want to ask, I just think out loud sometimes, is this speaking to anybody today besides me? Does, does this seem real to you about how God wants to be your best friend? Jesus wants to be your best friend? And can, can you imagine, imagine this? If you had a, a human being friend and they were with you, would you want to hurt their feelings? Would you want to make them happy to hang out with you? Are there people, are there people you really like to hang out with? How many like the Holy Spirit to hang out with you? Man, Nadine, I keep seeing you guys sitting back there and thinking about your real estate stuff and the things you do. Man, it's so great to be able to deal with somebody that hangs out with the Holy Spirit in your business dealings. It means so much. I'm thinking about all, all of you out here in your dealings with your family and life. Wouldn't it be so nice to be in a dealing and nobody else knows what's going on? You kind of just go inside of yourself to the prayer closet and say, Holy Spirit, what do you think about this? Are these people shooting straight? Is this right? What should we do, Holy Spirit? Or be talking to somebody. And I remember when I was a truck driver out there, world, all the situations I was in, something was going on, and I would just on this side be say, Holy Spirit, what do you think about that? Have we got an answer? Should I say anything? What should I do? Has anybody here ever had a best friend where you can't wait now I got all the text and everything like that, and you just kind of sit there and you just now you just text somebody, hey, I'm this situation right here. You got anything to, you can help me with? Somebody text you back. Well, I'll tell you what, before they had the smartphones, the most intelligent being in all the creation, whatever you want to call it, there ever is, has always been inside of me, and he responded faster than a text message. Amen. It wasn't Google either. It was God. And so Hebrews 13, verse 5 and 6, amplified, says, Let your character and moral disposition be free from love of money. Wow. Free from love of money. Don't you know there's plenty more where that came from? Give God the first 10% that what you got left be open with how he wants you to use it. And you never again have to worry about it. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Be free from the love of money, including greed. I don't even know that word of variance. Should have looked it up, but well. Lust and craving for earthly possessions. Craving for earthly possessions. I think about what a waste that is. The stuff that you buy, you give them so much for. And then next thing you know, they're at a yard sale, garage sale, or somewhere else for for a dollar, had you gave a thousand for it, at just somebody's junk. But anyway, crave further possession, and be satisfied with your present circumstances and with what you have. For he, God himself, has said, I will not in any way fail you. He's my best friend. Do you believe that? That God won't fail you? If you don't believe that yet, get close to him. When you read your Bible... Don't read it like a newspaper. Daily scripture readings, devotions, whatever you do, don't read it like you're just reading a chapter in a book. If you get stuck on one verse, stay there till you get it. He said he'll never fail you. I'm not anyway fail you. 
nor give you up, nor leave you without support. Don't worry about your child's support. you got God's support. God will take care of you. I will not, I will not, I will not in any degree leave you helpless, nor forsake you, nor let you down, or relax my hold on you. Assuredly not. So we take comfort and encouraged and confident and boldly say, The Lord is my helper. Say that. Say, The Lord is my helper. And say this, I will not be seized with alarm. I will not fear or dread or be terrified. What can man do to me? Say this, Jesus is my closest friend. Amen. How about you? Amen. Did that do anything for anybody? Praise God. I'll tell you what, it is time... For us Christians, start living like Christians and acting like Christians. Let's just start acting like Jesus is real. Let's act like the Bible's true. Let's act no matter who is on earthly authority in our nation, that Jesus is the authority of our life. And if we do, everything's going to come out all right for me and my house. I want everything all right for the country, but I can't speak for all the country. I can pray for the country, but I know one thing, as for me in my house, we will serve the Lord. We are going to do right. And if I stand in front of Jesus, I will not be ashamed. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.